You're listening to the Stronger Stride podcast with your hosts, Lydia Mackay and Sophie Lane. Hello and welcome back. We are here for another episode. Uh, episode number... Oh, this is tricky, this actually. Is, this we is got a this bit of a debate. Um, if anyone knows the answer, let us know. <laughs> We've got a few typos in our captions, not matching our actual episode. So I think yeah. we're 18 from memory. Nobody yeah, called us funny. out. I can't believe no one said no anything. One we had on the tile it said episode 17 and then the caption was like 18. And then on another post it was like episode 15, episode, I don't know, it was yeah. all wrong. We're it all was very place. wrong. But I think 18. We'll, we'll see how we go. It doesn't really matter. As long as you're listening, we don't care what the number is. <laughs> but nearly at 20, so that's exciting. Um, hope you're all doing well. Hope you are oh, yeah. all running or doing whatever keeps you happy. How are you, Lydia? Yeah, look, not bad. I think um, what you just said, Soph, hit the nail on the head, running or whatever keeps you happy. <laughs> if running's not an option for you right now, find an alternative. We've all been there slash are there. Yeah, um, well, Soph's been off Strava, haven't you, Soph? I have. I went on a bit of a hiatus. It was only brief. Um, it was only 10 days long, but it was long enough. Oh, was it yeah. 10 days? Oh, like forever. I well, feel like I it's have been a long time. Maybe it was long. I've got 10 days worth of runs that are privated. So I was still running, just no one knew about it. It was very secretive. Oh, very I, just secretive. Want to, every, I just didn't want to give away my secrets, you know, like just, mm. just didn't want everyone to know what I was up to. Um, but Fair I'm enough. back on Strava, two runs in. Feeling oh, you, good. Are you back on Strava? Yeah, yeah you wouldn't know because you never check. <laughs> 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 to be honest, I haven't been checking yours lately and I didn't realize what you were up to until you texted me today. So we're a bit slack, but that's fine. I'm back and I'm feeling good. My knee is good. Um, oh, I've got us. some strategies in place. Yeah, no pain for the last week and a half. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, really good. I found my bike pump, so I'm going to get it back on the bike. Oh, back well, on the Kmart bike. Well, the Kmart bike's back with the Kmart bike pump. Um, nice. I was telling someone, I was like, oh, like I really want a bike ride again because I felt like it was good, but I just couldn't find the pump. And you know when it's like the tiniest little like, barrier for you to do something oh but yeah it's so e- like I could have just easily gone to like bought a pump or I could have just looked a bit harder to find one or I could have borrowed something like it wasn't a hard thing but it's just like that little thing that stops you from doing it and you just don't do it because it's just it's too hard but anyway yeah just a little so that's a lot of people um, with a lot of things I feel like that's really <laughs> relatable for yeah lots it of is yeah you just gotta what you gotta do is just find that bike pump pump up your tires hit the road you know so have you done it though I found the pump. I haven't pumped yet. Like oh. baby steps. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway, basically moral of the story is it's good to have options and it's good to fulfill the things that you need to do and just tick off the little things along the way to get you there. That's it. I think That's that is that is important. One step at a time and yeah. focus on the steps rather than the end goal. Like it's good to mm. look at the goal sometimes too. Um, but I think sometimes you just got to look at where you are because mm. the time is now and the it time is. is only now gosh we are going <laughs> deep i know a- um you know i did actually have the time is now written on my whiteboard for the last two weeks wow. did you rub it off it's rubbed off and now i've written <laughs> on it 80ks per week max in capital letters okay can we talk about this first of all before you tell us because it's it's you that we're talking about here can i just mm. say my piece Mm. Um, so amazing that you're having to limit yourself to 80 Ks as a maximum and like stop yourself from doing that. Do you remember not that long ago when we were like, oh, 
how cool would it be to run 50Ks in yeah. a week? And then we did it and we were like, oh, wow, that's crazy. That's so much. Yeah. And now you're struggling to do less than 80. So mm-hmm. really, it's been a journey. Yeah, it. it's crazy. It has, it's, you know, it's because I tend to overcommit to social runs. I also create event, not events, but like events. <laughs> I'm an event <laughs> organizer. <laughs> no, but like I oh. message people. I'm like, hey, come for a run. Hey, come for a run. And before I know it, I've got like 10 runs booked in for the first three days of the week. No, that's a bit too much. About 10 runs booked in for the week. And I'm like, oh, and that's what happens. And then all of a sudden it's the end of the week. I'm like, oh, whoops. <laughs> no wonder things are a bit sore, but not actually. <laughs> so the whole situation is I've had a knee injury for like the last Mm, it might be almost 10 weeks now and it I've yeah so no, but this, like is a, this is a this is a long this is like a recovery time estimate three to four to six months was kind of like yeah I just didn't realize it, it just feels like not that long ago because well, I didn't really mention it for a while no, I know I was just thinking like isn't that funny because we've been discussing my knee for so long and your knee never even got a mention <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> it's because I've got two knees and my other one's doing just fine. Oh, do you hop instead of running? Well, mm, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, look, the thing is, because of my situation, I've really, my left leg's working really hard. So <laughs> I'm on to like my third injury on my left side because of my right side malfunctioning. Actually, no, that's not true. Only second. But anyway, look, doesn't matter. Basically, I um, need to reel it in a bit because everything was going well. Everything was getting better. And, and it had like all the rehab has been going well, doing all my exercises very diligently. And then last week the gyms opened up and I was like hectic, like I went back to the gym. Everything was progressing well. I went back to box jumps and I was like, yes, my knee is thriving. I am thriving. Everything is good. And everything felt good. And then all of a sudden, by the end of the week, I think I just ran on sore muscles basically the whole week. Cause I had some really great gym sessions and I was just feeling so good. I was like, yes, we're there. But turns out we weren't there. And so this week's kind of gone back a little bit. So today is one, two, the fourth day off running. Because the other thing is I've got now this tendinopathy thing happening on my other foot because I've obviously been really loading that side a lot. So that now needs to rest. (laughs) But anyway, it's just a balancing game. It really does, like having injuries, it really does make you question why you do everything. Not necessarily, but I think it's a good opportunity to reflect. And I don't feel like I have my identity in running, which is really good because I think having sort of like an injury is not the end of the world because there's just so many other things to do. And I'm like, oh, sweet, I've got more time to do this. But despite that, there's still moments where you're like, ah, like today. Today was sort of the first day I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so annoyed. <clears throat> but you know I had a little complaint to Soph sent us some angry audio messages <laughs> yeah, yeah you could tell you were quite frustrated yeah just, yeah I was but- trying to think what I should say to relax the situation <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but I I really genuinely and it, people sort of say this just because it sounds nice um, but I actually really genuinely mean it that I'm so grateful to have injuries and setbacks I really, really am because I think it makes you so much stronger. You sort of find all the little weaknesses or weak links, both physically and mentally. 
Um, I'm not just saying that. I really think you do. So it, it's, it is a good opportunity for growth. Good. Okay. As long as we can both run together on the 18th of October, I'm happy. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, I hope so. If good. not, we're due to practice our juggling. <laughs> I'm serious. We haven't had a juggling session in too long. I know. I was, oh, you I, know what? Oh, mm-hmm. no, you go. I was going to say, I have been practicing my handstands every day. Oh, so. good. Okay, I haven't. But I have been juggling. But also because of my situation, I've been trying to get more stable on my left leg, so doing some balancing stuff. And oh. I've been doing some barefoot foot training with my new shoes that we'll chat oh, about at a later date. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's um, so I started to juggle on one leg. And that wow. was good. That was good. <laughs> You're elite. Shit. Yes, yeah. impressive. Absolutely. Yeah, so juggling world champs, here we come. Yeah. Should we have another podcast for this? I think, well. We might need to. We did say we're doing a rebrand. We we did. So everyone stay tuned. New juggling balls are ready, getting ready to be sold. No, seriously, on that, we are rebranding, aren't we? Kind we of. are. We are re-logoing. Yeah. Um, I said to so can we really it. say rebrand when we're just trying to make a logo? Oh, I think it sounds so much better. Than just, it does. We've got yeah. a new logo. But also, can we get it out to the world yet? Like, what are we waiting for? The people oh, yeah, are waiting. True. The people are calling out for the rebrand. We've had lots of um, questions about it as well. Oh, so many. <laughs> We've had lots of requests. We're going to have to hire up. someone to read them soon because it's just, it's overwhelming, really. <laughs> well, yeah. Mm. Anyway, yes. we'll, anyway. Um, we'll get on with the episode, I think. We should, we should. Enough of us. All right, let's get on with it. Um, we have a very interesting guest today for you all. Um, her name is Yoasha Zakshevsky. She is an endurance runner and just has a super interesting story. I mean, different background to um, majority of elite level runners that are at her level. She did go to the Commonwealth Games and has a number of other amazing achievements. Was a little bit late to the game, so it's amazing her journey from 2009 when she first got into it to now. Um, all the crazy things that she's achieved in such a short amount of time is really impressive. Um, so I guess Commonwealth Games being traditionally the most, I guess, well-known and um, I guess highest level mm. that, that she's been to at least. And I feel like we brushed over that quite briefly. Mm. Um, so I just want to emphasize the fact that that is an incredible achievement. Mm. So just and it was amazing. the marathon, wasn't it? So yes, marathon definitely. Yeah. So yeah, that's the thing with her. She's done so many different races mm. across so many different distances. It was hard for us to keep up with all mm. the different things that she's done. She's done ultras, marathons, shorter distances, a bit of everything. But so her marathon at the Commonwealth Games that was only I think five years after she started running. Is that correct, Soph? Yeah. Yeah. But something like years? that. It all. It was a quick turnaround. Yeah. When she first started, mm. she did an, uh, a multi-day event in two thousand nine which is crazy that that's the first thing you go to, but apparently she enjoys eating. So that worked well for her yeah. along that um, event. And then, yeah, from there, she just kept going with it, did a number of different races. She's been sort of traveling all over the world, doing different races like comrades mm. and um, just, yeah, different runs across across the globe, which is super cool. Um, she's done a couple of um, 24 hour races as well, which she actually qualified for the world champs for that distance or that time, I guess you would say for 24 hour champs. Yeah. Um, which is meant to be coming up soon, but I think it's been postponed because of COVID. But um, yeah, she's just got so many things going for her and she's been, she's achieved so much already, but still got so much coming up. Um, mm. She recently had a really cool race over in the UK, which we chat about um, in quite a bit of detail. So you can stay tuned to hear how that went. 
Um, but yeah, super lovely, like super humble. You wouldn't know. And I think that's kind of why we brushed over things so kind of swiftly because mm. she didn't she didn't go, oh yeah, this was amazing. I did this incredible thing. This is how good I am. She was just kind of like, oh yeah, I, went, I just turned up and she didn't even tell mm. us her, her results. She's so humble. She didn't even, it didn't matter. Yeah, she yeah. just does it for the love of it, which is really cool. Yeah, she's sounds like she's a very spontaneous runner as well. It sounds like mm. almost all her events and if you listen to any other interviews, that she's done as well she's like oh well I thought I'd just see what would happen and it's like mm. the day before the event and then she does it and breaks like four records and yeah. um wins the event like she's she's a very impressive athlete um and just her perspective is just it's just really nice um and she shares a little bit about what she thinks about sort of listening to your body and she talks as well on following structured training programs compared to sort of just running for feel because for her, it's something that she does just love doing um, as well, which is really nice. And we actually do chat a little bit about identity as well, which is quite interesting because Sophie and I were just speaking about that just before. So she shares her ideas around that, which is really cool. Uh, another topic that we get to dive into is all about reds. So we have spoken about that just a little bit once on the podcast before. So reds is relative energy deficiency in sport, which used to be known as the female triad or the female athlete triad uh, but basically it's something that's quite important for endurance athletes to know about or even really just any sort of um uh, I mean I wouldn't even say high level athlete but someone who does a lot of exercise it's quite important to have an understanding of this but yeah we go into all of that we talk about what it is some of the things to look out for um and Yuasha is actually a medical doctor so it's great to hear her opinions and perspective that aren't just from an athlete's perspective it's also from a medical standpoint so yeah she's done a lot of research on it too and um yeah she's got a heap of knowledge behind her with that so yeah it's not just just someone that off the street that doesn't know what they're talking about she's definitely well qualified in that area so it was good to get her perspective on those things yeah and of course we had to ask her about a favorite pair of joggers because yeah that's... interesting answer to that question actually so it if was. you stay tuned until the end you'll get to hear the answer to that but mm. a little bit different to our previous answers so mm. very interesting yeah yeah we really we really loved chatting to her it was fantastic um and one more time say that name as well so because we had a little bit of a stuff up in the at the very start of the episode we um you pronunciations but yes we did get told how to do it and I did put Lydia on the spot and tell her that she had to do it because I didn't want to because I thought I'd get it wrong and Lydia did really well but kind of just combined <laughs> two things got the first name right second name not so much but close it was, mm. it was good for a first go I had it in my so head sorry. and then I just went and smooshed them all together and it yeah. wasn't too great but one more time, it is Yoasha Zakshevsky. So if anyone has seen her name written down, I don't think many Aussies would have pronounced it like that. But there you go, guys. Sophie and I have said it. So now you know. Um, please leave us a re review and send us a message, an email, um, tag us in Instagram stories, wherever you're listening. We love to see where you're listening to the podcast. And just keep in touch, guys. We love all the messages and the chats that we have with you we really do like we always send each other screenshots and like oh well, this person said this and we get so excited don't we <laughs> we do it's so good um yeah so reach out if you if you want to chat we're definitely open to having some conversations with you and one last thing before we get into it 
just want to say thank you to the lovely people at Tailwind um, for their continued support. Mm. They've been giving some packages to all of our guests, which is really nice. Um, and we know that everyone who's come on here has been super grateful for that. So mm. if you need some endurance fuel for your long runs, check out Tailwind Nutrition Australia and, yeah, enjoy the episode. That's it. Thank you very much. And hello to our new listeners as well. Hello. Welcome. Please don't <laughs> listen to the first few episodes because they're really not that great. But yeah. <laughs> after that, we're good, hopefully, okay. maybe. Enjoy. All right. Okay, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We're very excited today to have Joasha Jorachevsky on the podcast today. I just had to practice that name. So, <laughs> how, so did I, how did so I close. go, Joasha? Yeah, you put first name perfect. So, name, yet? Yeah, well, that's me. But we'll Oh, just no. Jorachevsky. Zach Shevsky. What did yeah. I say? You said Joe's. Joe's. <laughs> you combined the two. You did. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was great. I liked it. Okay. It's fine. When I, when I first ran for Scotland, I changed it to Makshevsky. Oh, just to mix it up a bit? Yeah. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Very good. How are you doing? Yeah, all good here. Not too bored in your quarantine? No, no, I'm living the dream here, staring at my four walls. <laughs> <laughs> living the dream is my favourite um, My favorite thing to say. But I am hoping that soon you actually will be living the dream beyond the four walls of hotel quarantine yeah but I have um I have to say it's nice small room and I've learned to multitask because you know you can sit on the toilet have a shower and wash your teeth at the wash basin all at the same time (laughs) (laughs) that's very productive very efficient use of your time (laughs) now have you been doing any running in the hotel uh, well, you can go about five steps across the room and that's about wow. it. So wow. I did try do my trotters run on Saturday and um, I lost count at 750 trips up oh. and down just to try and get to 5K. Wow. wow. You'd be dizzy, right? Yeah, I won't be doing that again. Well, maybe <laughs> next Saturday, but, you know. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I, next I've Saturday. I've seen your carpet as well. Surely the, the pattern on the carpet would just make you just feel unwell. It's all like those weird lines and stuff. Yeah, it's lovely for the 70s. Yeah. Yes. A little for bit the outdated. 70s. <laughs> Shame we're not in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. That's really good. And I mean, wow. you've got a lot of impressive results, but I think that's got to be up there, right? <laughs> yeah, it must be one of the hardest mind things I've done. I yeah, think. <laughs> mentally, it would be super tough. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that's amazing. Did you want to just, I guess, give the listeners a bit of an understanding of who you are and sort of what you do? Obviously, you're a very impressive runner. Um, but just sort of take us back to, I guess, where it all started with your running journey and, and where you are now. Okay. Um, it started in a kind of bad way, well, a funny way with um, a bottle of wine, as you do, <laughs> um, because I started off being a race doctor, um, an expedition okay. medic, and mm. I kept in touch with some guys that had done a, a multi-day race when I'd been the doctor. And one of them happened to be passing through where I lived and said, oh, let's go out for dinner. So we went out for dinner, he bought a bottle of wine, then said, oh, I'm driving, you'll have to drink the whole bottle. I drank it. And then he said, oh, I'm going to go and run this race across Chile. Do you want to come? And I went, all right then. And then the next day I was like, oh, what have I done? I better learn how to run. And then yeah, I thought, that's more fun than being the doctor. And that's where it started. Wow. How long was that first race? Six days. Oh my goodness. That was your first proper running race. Yes, I Six you know days. start long and get shorter. Oh my goodness! <laughs> How did it go? How did it? Surely that would have just been awful, right? Going well, no, the... it was it was perfect because all you did was you got up, you ate, mm. you chatted, you ran a bit, mm. you ate a bit more, 
or you chatted a bit more and that was it. Yeah. I mean, that's perfect, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. Walking and running. Wow. wow. That's amazing. And when was that? That was in about 2009, I think. Okay. And did that kind of, you got the bug then and sort of got hooked and wanted some more? Yeah, that. I just thought, well, it's much more fun being part of a part of a race that way than being on the other side of the fence, being one yeah. of the, the, the <laughs> organisers. So, yeah, just started from there, cut it down after that, did a marathon short shortly afterwards and then enjoyed it and thought, oh, this is quite fun. I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, you've had so many good results since then. So it's amazing to hear that you just sort of picked it up on a whim and, and just ran with it, I guess. you've Yeah, it's, it's really amazing. Mm. Um, did you so, um, have a sporting background though like were you active as a kid did you have other sort of sporting endeavors that you did no not even slightly which is why I've got this kind of weird imposter syndrome now mm. like if I do something I think no that wasn't me can't do that again um, wow. so as a kid I remember everything was about sprinting at school and short distance we did mm. rounders things like that and I used to get disqualified like you're out and marks off for not trying because I just couldn't sprint and I had problems with my knees so mm. it just never happened for me so I chose to do orchestra rather than do sports and things like that do you want to turn around yeah that's amazing I was just thinking so 2009 is when you started and then 2014 was the Commonwealth Games yeah it must have been that's a quick turnaround right from going from never running at all to five years later in the Commonwealth Games how how was that journey like I guess did you just sort of consistently keep training and and did you have big goals in mind like that straight away or did that was that something that no it, it was kind of never a goal people say that's you know something you've wanted to do ever since you were little but yeah. I never did because I was told I was rubbish and um <laughs> it all kind of happened by accident so I got selected for my first British Fest as a what they call a wild card because I'd never done that distance before and then when I finished it, they said, oh, oh, will you do it next year? I'm like, no, never again, because then people will see it was a fluke. And I actually, I, that, that was an accident and I can't run very well. <laughs> but every time I do it, I think, no, it must be a fluke. No, someone's going to discover soon that I just can't do this and I'm faking yeah. it. So I don't, I've never got that out of my head, really. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, to have achieved so much. Um, but I guess, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why you would feel like that, but. Yeah, it's so interesting to hear that perspective. I mean, from looking at your results, you can tell that you haven't fluked it because you would have had to fluke it a number of times and across a number of different distances too. So it's definitely not just pure luck or, or coincidence. You've definitely got some talent there, which is amazing mm. to see. What's kind of your favourite distance now? Is the marathon still, um, would you say that's kind of your best event or do you prefer the longer distances? Or um, I think I'm better at the longer distance but I don't know if that's because because fewer people do it um <laughs> <laughs> always say once you've done 100k oh a marathon that must be really easy for you because it's so short and I'm thinking well no it's actually harder because it hurts mm. when you've got to go faster mm. whereas I just like eating and drinking so for example comrades <laughs> there's a 90k moving buffet so that's perfect for me I love the multi-day things because you get to go to some amazing places and it's not about your pace you just enjoy it oh that's amazing that's that's so nice I feel like that's um why so many people love ultra running isn't it like you hear so many stories like that that they just go and run for days and eat and talk and meet people like oh it's incredible but for someone who's never done that before it's it 
it's hard to even comprehend because as you said for most people they think surely a marathon must be easier because it's that much shorter um but yeah it's really interesting to hear your perspective on that um and if you think for example you don't know everybody that you do a marathon with but that first race I did across the Atacama the six day one mm. I'm still in contact with everybody that was in my tent um, you know, people came from all these different countries around the world and it's because of them where I've done other things like there was a South African in my tent and he said oh come and stay with me and run comrades so then I ran comrades and it was comrades that got me selected uh, for GB so it's kind of all a big circle that you don't realize how interconnected mm. it is mm, yeah I think that's such a huge aspect of it is the whole community side of it it's not just about running fast or getting the right pace or anything like that as soon as it's if it's a trail run or if it's a longer distance, you know, past a marathon, it does just become more about the experience and, and doing it with people and, and I guess making memories. So that, yeah, it's really awesome to see that you've kept those connections up for so long. That's, that's cool. And you've done a lot of traveling with it too, which you've kind of seen a bit of the world through your running, which I think is a nice way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's what's made it for me. I used to, all my holidays were taken, um, being an expedition medic because you that was a volunteer role but it, I would use all my annual leave for that and then once I started running I was like no I haven't got time to do that as well because I want to see the world through running and mm. I tend to not do the same race twice just because there's so many beautiful places to go to and run mm. well, yeah, that's that's, yeah yeah that's really cool and yeah I think it's nice to yeah explore new places um I guess the most recent one that or I guess a pretty significant one recently for a local race, um, the Coast to Kosciuszko. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that went? You obviously performed very well. Hang on a you... second, Soph. That's definitely not how you pronounce it. What? Kosciuszko. Yeah, how do you say it? Kosciuszko. Is that very right? Good, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Oh, my God. I should tell you off such a thing. He always oh. has to tell you off the same Kosciuszko. It's Kosciuszko. Oh my goodness. Okay. Oh, well, all right. Well, the C to K. <laughs> hey, give it a give it a go, Soph. Come on. Kosciuszko. I don't even want to. Oh, I'm just not good at that. But anyway, let's talk about that. How did it go? How did it feel? How was the experience? Um, well, I well, I went to do it for my dad, basically, because oh. um he he's Polish. I wanted to do this event. I've heard of Kosciuszko and all people like this. And um there's quite a famous book about the Kosciuszko Squadron, which won basically the Battle of Britain in the World War and stopped Britain getting invaded by Germany, that kind of thing. So as anybody who was near me in the run will know, because I talked like their ears off about it while we we're running. Um, and I just thought it sounded quite interesting, like mm. going from the coast to the top of the mountain. Hadn't got a clue what I was doing, really. Um, my support crew that came down with me, I've met since I've been here, they were amazing. None of them had done it before or supported before. So it was basically, we were just going to have a laugh. Yeah, um, swing it. And it was just amazing fun. Oh, that's so cool. It would have been, yeah, just such a good experience again. Um, so for just um, going there on a bit of a whim and you came third, right? Is that correct? Yeah, and first female. And first yes. female, so third overall and first woman. That's yeah. insane. That's incredible. Did you have an idea that you'd be up the front, surely? Uh, no, I, I had never run that far and I hadn't really got a clue how I would get on. I started way at the back because um, I'm always a slow starter and all these women are, um, in front of me. And as we went through the first stage, I passed quite a few of them. Um, and then we just didn't really know what happened. It got, got really, really hot. And then later on, it obviously got really cold. 
and then it was night time and you just didn't really know who was where and what was happening and I just thought well I'll just keep going mm. oh, that's wow, incredible. That's amazing. I mean 240 kilometers like that's huge to just to just be able to do that and what was it about 28 hours roughly oh um, I can't remember <laughs> <laughs> something like that but I mean that's just amazing to be able to push yourself so hard for so long um that's incredible and did that kind of spur you on for your more recent event um that you did while you were overseas because obviously 215 miles <laughs> is huge so I mean for if 240 k's was the longest you'd done um last year then taking on this ultra great britain um just recently how how did that feel and I know you said that it was a bit of more of a spontaneous decision once again which sounds like that's just in your nature um, but to jump up that huge distance again, how did you feel going into that? I hadn't actually really thought about the distance. Um, I'm, I tend to do things last minute because then there's no pressure on me. Mm. Um, I find if I put, uh, put a big goal up, I used to have to do that when I had a specific event that I had to compete for and represent at, and it puts a lot of pressure on you. So now it's kind of last minute, oh, let me have a look at that. And mm. I was in the UK and I was like, right, I've been at my parents for a few days. It'd be nice to get away. It'd be nice to do some running. What tap? What what races are there? And I thought, oh, this one's in about five days' time. And then, oh, this one's in. Oh, it's now about three days' time. Oh, it seems to connect a lot of places where I've been or worked. And I knew tiny little sections of it. I thought, well, it'd be fun to do. And then I thought, don't know if I'll manage it. And I looked and thought, well, the first checkpoint, I know where that is. There's near a station. I can get home from there. <laughs> then I thought three three checkpoints later on there's another station there I know that train line I can get home from there and that, that was basically my, how I planned it oh my goodness no way I can't even imagine so 215 miles so it's 300 and something kilometers yeah it was three meant to be I think meant to be 345 and I did 375 because I took a few wrong turnings oh my goodness oh, no. how did that how did you figure that out like, did you just get to a dead end and then realise or? Well, no, you, um, so it's, it's got along something called the Southern Upland Way and you've got a map. Mm. Um, and some people were running with GPS and some people had support crews and I was just doing it myself and I don't really have a handheld GPS or anything. And mm. I quite like the old map and compass. <laughs> so I would just run and I was looking for the signposts and occasionally the signposts were overgrown or they'd been knocked down. Mm. The first time... I went wrong. I was like, well, I haven't seen a signpost. Well, I'll ask someone, am I on the right course? And he said, yeah, you are. And I thought, I've gone a very long way. This can't be right. So I turned around and went back again. And then I found the signpost and started going in the right direction. And then I met one of the marshals and I said, oh, and I come back on course. He goes, yeah, we saw you going miles away and we tried to ring you, but you've got a foreign phone. So obviously I had my Australian phone. Oh, I didn't oh, want no. an international phone. Wow. And then... Um, in the middle of the night, I was with another couple and we were like, oh, I think we've gone the wrong way. And then one of them looked on their GPS and were like, well, of course. Um, and then later on, it happened at another couple of times. I'm like, I don't think this is right. I seem to be going in the wrong direction. And I would get my map out and I'm going, no, I don't think I'm right. Let me twiddle it. So, yeah, it's just wow. a bit entertaining, really. That's amazing. The, the fact that you yeah, took a few wrong turns and still managed to be first female, second overall and smashed the record, right? like 17 hours or something ridiculous yeah 17 and a half hours yeah so sorry how many hours did it take to run then so I started we were meant to start at six on Saturday and it ended up being 6 30 something like that and then 
I finished Monday evening before it got dark. Oh, that's well, going to require so some like, maths on well, my on end. Here, 62 hours. And well, there you go. That, that was okay. okay. I wasn't enough by the end of it. The last, maybe the last five hours, all I wanted to do was lie down where I was yeah. and cry. I'm not surprised. That is such a long time to be moving for. Did you, like, how did you manage rest and things? Like, did you take sort of, obviously at the checkpoints, you would have food and drinks and things like that. Did you take time to rest for a while or...? Yeah, so I was carrying food and drink, and obviously I would eat food and drink because mm. um, at any checkpoint. I think um, they said I'm the only person that could finish any of these ultras heavier than I started. Oh. Um, <laughs> so is, that, um, is that a strategy then? Because, I mean, so many people say that's like the biggest thing is being able to eat food. Do you think that's something that you're particularly good at consuming yes. food? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I don't think I'm very good at running, but I'm very good at eating and drinking. <laughs> Um, and, and I'm serious I think that's my advantage for these yeah. long events because a lot of people don't get their nutrition right or they don't eat enough um even in something like comrades I've had known people who won't eat and drink properly and I love eating and drinking and I can do it and run so that's mm. that's what suits me in them so in this one um I thought well I'll just see how I go I wasn't planning on being competitive I didn't even know if I'd make it very far um and I got totally lost at one point um, and apparently I'd been up behind the leading men and about an hour in front of the second woman. And I got totally lost randomly up, up and down the river, yeah. eventually found the checkpoint. And there was already um, a lady and some other people in there before me because they'd caught up. Um, and I thought, you know, what? I'm just going to sit down and have proper food here and wait. And then they went off and then I caught them again. And then I got to the next checkpoint and it was something like 3.30 in the morning. Um, and the girl there said she was going straight on. I said, well, I can't do that. I, I need to sleep. So I went and had a lie down, but I couldn't sleep because the guy that she'd been running with lay down also on the other mattress and he just started snoring within five seconds. Um, so I didn't get any sleep, but I did lie down for a couple of hours, which helped and I stretched my legs mm -hmm. and I'd had pizza before I lay down and then I got up, had more pizza, thought I'll carry on. And the same thing in the middle of the next night, I got to a checkpoint at stupid o'clock in the morning and I was actually nauseated there because I was feeling so tired. So I thought, right, I'm gonna, gonna go to sleep. And I lay there and about after 50 minutes of lying there, well, sitting, cause it was a chair going, I can't sleep. I might as well get up. No, I'll get up, I'll eat something, right? Now I'll sleep again, another 50 minutes. So I'm getting nowhere. So I just carried on. Mm, wow. So I think if I did it again, knowing what it was like, I would do it completely differently, but mm. that was just, I was just winging it really. So wow. it's, it's insane. So you broke the record, you won, but you also don't think you did it that well. So does that mean that there's a lot more in the tank? Well, it's interesting because as we were going along, I was just thinking to myself, oh, um, I seem to be leading this. Oh, well, it, I don't know what the record is. Um, I know that somebody's done it as a an FKT, but they mm. didn't do the race. So as an FKT, they didn't have to do all the detours off and on the to the route to get to checkpoints and things like that and mm. they had people you know helping them out mm, navigating for them and their stuff and I thought oh it'd be quite fun maybe this is what you think when you're crazy now and slept for two days <laughs> to do it with a support crew mm. and, go and see how fast you could do it yeah. um, and I think you could do it a lot better if you knew where you were going and oh, you yes. didn't make all the detours <laughs> and you changed your shoes and the socks because I had like trench foot 
and I couldn't oh. run for hours because I had such horrendous soggy feet covered in massive blisters. And when I sat down once at a checkpoint for an hour and thought, right, I'm changing my shoes and socks, I'm taping all these up, I was like, oh, I can suddenly run. This is amazing. Oh, wow. So, so sorry, you did get to change your, your socks, did you say? So if you had a support crew, they could meet yes. you at every checkpoint or along the way. Of course. So some, like the, the leading guy did. Uh, so he had lots of changes of shoes and his support crew could come out from the checkpoints mm. and find them. Whereas oh, okay, yes. I was doing it on my own, so I didn't actually find a lot of the checkpoints. I found it high. I always got lost trying to find the checkpoint, so that's when I lost a lot of time. Mm. But also, I didn't have all those shoes and socks, but I did mm. have a drop bag at halfway, and I put a spare pair of shoes <sighs> and in it. So that's where I thought, now okay. I'm going to go down, change my shoes and socks, and pick mm. up. Yes, wow. Yeah, I mean, that's insane. So, like, I mean, what, like, when your feet are covered in blisters and soggy and disgusting like how, how do you just keep going through that do you do you just have to take your mind somewhere else or do you sort of look at it and assess and go oh well it could be worse like how do you mentally sort of get through those sorts of things that to like a, you know an average park runner just w- probably wouldn't even be able to comprehend well I guess um I didn't want to take, I didn't take my shoes and socks off knowing how horrendous they were until mm. I could change them because yeah, I thought okay. if I take these off when they're wet, I'm not going to put them back on again. Yeah. And so yeah. it wasn't until I got to that place that I could change them that I thought, mm. right, now I'm going to take everything off. I'm going to leave these in my drop bag. I'm going to put clean stuff on and deal with it. And I, I think that was probably, I should have done maybe carried socks with me and done it earlier but I just couldn't face taking horrible stuff off mm-hmm. and now several weeks later I've still got the remnants of all of those blisters like all the skins peeled off my feet and stuff wow literally the whole of my feet practically was a blister oh ouch wow and how was your body after that race like um in terms of muscle soreness and things like that how did you feel the next few days um yeah, good, actually. I wasn't really sore muscle-wise. I, was really <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I crazy. sleep afterwards. Well, think yeah. That you're just hungry all the time, even though you've eaten mm. the whole way through. But your body mm. clock's so messed up, I didn't know if I was, you know, Arthur or Martha. Um, mm. And I went for a couple of walks during the week, and then I thought, I feel like running. So I went and did park run at the weekend. Um, so I'd had, maybe I finished, what, I finished Monday night. So I did the park run that weekend and thought mm. yeah it's quite nice but at the end of that run I thought yeah I don't want to run further than 5k actually I'm not yeah. <laughs> wow. fair enough that's amazing um, yeah it's all just mind-blowing really all of this I just mm. yeah and you're so humble about it all too it just seems like just chatting to you it just seems like it's nothing but when we actually think about it it's all just insane everything that you're saying it's just yeah it's incredible um it, so what's next do you want to keep doing these super long events or sort of cut back to the 100Ks or? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd, um, I'd been selected to run at the World Champs this year um, after last year's track race. And that was kind of a little thing for me because I didn't know anybody else who'd represented at every different event. So that that was going to be my final one. So I almost, mm. I, want, I want to do that next year if it happens. Obviously it got cancelled this year. So I don't know whether I'll have to reprove fitness or anything like that or or what they'll ask me to do. So 
I'm not sure for me, I've kind of got no goals. I've got nothing into nothing planned. So mm. I'm almost living my, living my running through other people, sort of trying to do a bit more coaching, helping out. And I just want other people to do really well now. Oh, that's so nice. I know you're, you're quite heavily involved with the Terrible Trotters now. Um, how did that how did that go when you, I guess, obviously you moved to the Central Coast um, a while ago and did you just turn up to a Saturday run and meet everyone and that was it? Or how, how did you find the group? Um, again, through an ultra by accident. Um, so mm-hmm. I was over on holiday two, was it two years ago? At Christmas anyway, um, mm-hmm. before, before the pandemic. And my last day, um, my friend was running the Narrabeen all-nighter, the 12-hour event. Mm. And um, I said, oh, well, if you're running that event, I'm going to go and visit uh, the Central Coast that night because I'm going back to the UK the next day. And he said, oh, no, well, you could run too or support or you could do the marathon that's in the middle of the night. And I thought, I probably can't stay awake and then do the marathon. So I'll just <laughs> do the whole 12-hour event with you and see how far I get. But I, I actually, that's the easier option. <laughs> well, I hadn't, and I hadn't done that before either. So I actually took mm. a doona and pillow and left them in his car saying, if I want to, I can stop and just go to sleep mm. and I'll still be here to support you at the finish. <laughs> and then um, I saw... Uh, two girls running with terrible trotters vests on and I thought oh terrible that's the central coast so actually um flew back to the UK the next day um but then when I came over on my holiday where I got stuck here I got in touch with them um so they're both members of the trotters and they said oh come along on a Saturday morning so that's how it started could you tell us um the story about how you came to Australia as well because my understanding is that you came here on holiday for three weeks and due to COVID you actually weren't able to return home which is why you're still in Australia now is that true? Yes I came to visit the same friends and um, we were going to go up to the Blue Mountains and run the six foot track because I've heard all Mm. about this six foot track and everyone said oh this is amazing um Mm. so that that was the plan um okay so I came over for three weeks went up to the Blue Mountains, couldn't run on the six-foot track because it was all closed because of landslides oh, and things. Yeah. Came uh, back down yeah, to Those the fires were as well, right? Yeah, I think they had, did they have fires and then lots of it's rain, which put out the fires but caused the landslides? Yeah. The- yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was all a lot, wasn't it? <laughs> so came back down to Sydney and then found that corona had happened and my flight home was cancelled. Oh, wow. So it was all a bit of a, oh, and um, I had some friends that I, I met through running in Sydney um, who were sort of working at the airport and they said, oh, we think we could get you on this last flight back to the UK. Um, mm. But there were 18 year old backpackers who'd been camping at the airport for like three days because they want to get home to their parents. And I was like, well, I'm an adult. An 18 year old needs to go mm. home to their parents. I don't oh. want to take the last seat on a plane wow. if it's them or me. So mm. that's what happened. Wow. So so what's happening now? Obviously you're back again. Is it you're here for good or? Well, I then had to campaign to be able to work because I was obviously on a tourist visa and oh, yes. um, then I had to get sponsored work visa and get all my accreditation sorted here. And that took about six months. So then yeah. when I had to buy a sponsored work visa, I bought a three-year one. So okay. now I can stay. So I've been working a year. So I've got another two years I can work. And then we'll wow. see. Okay, that's good. So you've got a little bit more time to explore. Yeah. Very good. Awesome. Um, now, looking at a few of your other results, I mean, 
you've basically most of them are all first places so just very impressive but can we talk a little bit about we just mentioned the um narrabeen all-nighter obviously the 12-hour race um and then you did a 24-hour track race how how did that go uh, again that that was interesting um <laughs> didn't really know what was happening into that late because it got delayed i think through covid i didn't find out about it till just before mm -hmm. um i'd done the a race in, I think it was, yeah, it was on the Central Coast. So I think I'd done a couple. I supported my friend at the Elephant Ultra and did the 5K there. Hmm. Then I did the 5K track in um, Mingara. And I was like, oh, my first race. And oh. then um, that weekend I did the 24 hour. And I was like, oh, I'm going from one end of the spectrum to the other. So 5K halfway through mm -hmm. the week, 24 hours. Um, oh. And I was just seeing how it went, basically. Um, didn't really know what was going on. Got to an hour in and went, oh, this is the longest I've ever run on a track for. That's mm. everything from here on in is a PB. Yeah, um, wow. And it, it it was everything because there was like ice and, and frost at the start. It was freezing cold. You're wearing literally everything you had. Oh, and then it got really hot. It stripped down during the day. And then it started raining at about 8 p.m. And it rained all the way through the next 12 hours. Oh. Um, <laughs> So Whereabouts can, was the race, sorry? Canberra. Oh, Canberra. And it was in winter, right? What was it, August it's last year? July. July. Or July. Yeah. Yeah, in July. Wow. But they had um, speakers at the track and the radio on. So, and the radio played constantly for 24 hours. And they had the news every hour. So I think I must have heard more about coronavirus and everything else. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh that's actually goodness. so sad. That's awful. <laughs> wow. That's yeah, I listened to um, an interview of yours after that and you said oh, no. that you weren't sure if you are even going to last maybe two hours. And then you you won, right? And you broke yeah. three records. I don't know the details of the records. Maybe you know them so far. Um, um, all I know is that you got 236 and a half kilometres, but were they um, national records? So it was one British record that stood since 1990, I think, and then wow. the rest of the Scottish records. So I think four yes. Scottish records and one British record. Wow. So that's, that's just incredible. Awesome. Is there a world champs for the 24-hour track event? That, that's what I was – well, it's 24 hours. It's not track. It's just 24 uh, hours. That's what I was selected for after that. Yeah. And it was sure. in May. So – I was going to go and do it in May, but that got postponed. Then it got postponed to October. So I was mm. going to do that now. And then that's been cancelled. Uh, so that, that right. Where is that meant to be? And it's got cancelled. So um, Romania. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, well, hopefully it goes ahead at some point. That'll, yeah. And well, so it's not on a track. It's just... It won't um, because they have a, a world championships one year. And then mm. the next year they have a an area championship so uh, for example it would be the i would be in the european championships mm -hmm. um so because they've got that next year they won't have a world so it's it, like they do the same with 100k so i've accidentally mm -hmm. run in the oceana 100k champs by without realizing because oh. we couldn't have a european <laughs> kind of thing so yeah, yeah. It, it alternates oh okay yeah right well yeah hopefully you can do something i mean there's always things popping up so i guess you've just got to pick and choose what what you want to do and what you want to specialize in but it's good that you can go like that full spectrum of distances um, well it's quite funny because when i got this came back just now the original flight that they'd offer me was to brisbane i'm like why do i want to go to brisbane that's nowhere near home i want to fly mm. to sydney 
But if I'd actually gone to Brisbane and was quarantined out there, they've got the Australian 24-hour champs in oh. um, up there next week. And I was like, oh, oh no. no. <laughs> that would have been nice. <laughs> but that's all right. You can't win them all. <laughs> now, can we chat a little bit about, um, I mean, we've chatted heaps about your races. I know we could ask you about them all day because it's just so interesting and just fascinating to hear all your amazing results. But let's dive a little bit into the coaching side of things and um, what you're kind of up to now. I know that the 520 girls on the Central Coast have um, got you on board for a few of their sessions and I think you're programming some things for those girls. I guess it happens a lot with with successful runners. They sort of take on coaching or give advice to other athletes and things like that. Is that just how it worked for you or is that something that you want to pursue a little bit more? No. Um, what, well, so what happened was I um, got knocked down in a race for the the second time I got knocked down at the start of marathon trampled um, and oh, I wow. got a fracture in my tibia oh, and um, it didn't heal and it didn't heal and basically um, it turned out that they said it was a non-healing stress fracture it didn't get diagnosed for ages mm. and then I ended up with a bone scan showing you had osteopenia it's the diagnosis mm. of reds which is the relative energy deficiency in sport mm. and basically I was told you'll never run again wow so I thought, well, I've got so much out of running. If I'm never going to run again, I want to be able to put back in. Mm. So I did something called a athlete to coach conversion course, which was a fast track British athletics course that you could do if you'd represented uh, Great Britain. Mm. Um, and it, it was over a year and involved lots of sessions. And it was it was just really funny because you met some amazing people. Like I was sitting next mm. to um, an Olympic 100 meter sprinter. Um, and you learn from each other like he would say I went for a long run and it turns out a long run for him was 5k that's not a long run (laughs) if you're sprinting you sprint in a straight line even if you're running the curve on a track because you still run in a straight line you just lean and that takes you around the corner so it's amazing how much you learn from each other and then from that I, so that got me my initial coaching qualifications. And then last year, I did further courses um, to enable me to coach children and adolescents as well. Oh, nice. So awesome. I had all the options. Yeah, okay. And what sort of, will you specialise in more of the ultra sort of stuff or um, is there a particular area that you, you prefer or you're interested in? Well, because it's the formal coaching, you had to choose a, um, a speciality, and mm. I chose endurance. But mm. endurance meant I had to um, be able to do coach speed walking or race walking oh, and wheelchair athletes, which was quite interesting. Oh, wow. I had to learn about that as well. So mm. I've mainly looked down the endurance side. Yeah, okay. And what, what does endurance count as? Is it like sort of from 5K on? or Yes, basically. Yeah, awesome. Okay. And what are you sort of doing with that now? Is it just sort of the, the terrible girls that you're looking after or? No, well, I started doing um, the track sessions for all of the trotters mm-hmm. um, a bit last year and yeah. did some of that. Then I've also been um, helping people out in the UK. I was setting some programs for some friends there that just contacted me and said, could you help me? I want to run a half marathon or I run a, run a marathon and see what so we looked through what their targets were what their training were and came up with some training programs mm. did a few of those um obviously things got a bit changed by covid mm. now I've been doing a couple of sessions with the 520 girls um 
and we're just sort of looking at what targets are and just you know just bouncing ideas um, yeah no, that sounds fun. really good yeah and do you follow a program yourself or do you just sort of Sounds when like you're very spontaneous <laughs> with your races, but yes, you're just doing your training as well. <laughs> I am. Um, I, I do tend to, to to wing it a bit, but if I do have a specific target, then I will write myself not a definite training program, but I, I have a kind of plan of how I'm going to do it. Um, mm. Kind of loosely, this is what I need to do. I need to do it a couple of sessions like this, or I need to do a long run, or I need to have these rest days, and this is what I'm going to target. But because I don't take it seriously anymore and just just enjoy it it's it takes a lot of stress off me that way because I just don't mm. have the, the time and I was saying to the the 520 girls I'm getting on now so they need to you know take <laughs> over so I'll go off the end of the spectrum of being too old and they need to bring it they're they're coming on and they're all getting quicker and quicker so they're all setting mm. me so that's just brilliant to see yeah it's amazing to see that sort of again it's it all comes back to the community doesn't it? I think they all really value your expertise and knowledge and and it's obviously they've got a nice little group down there um but yeah it's good to sort of yeah as you say give back and and have a bit of your input um into their into their results as well I'm sure that's a good feeling when when you see them um have good races or good runs and know that you've sort of contributed to that as well oh well no it's all it's all down to them they're just a brilliant group of <laughs> girls they just you know they put the work in they get the results out it's amazing to see and I, I love it oh that's oh, amazing great. So um, with the, like you just talking about not having a structured training program because you just sort of enjoy doing it for fun, um, do you think there's a danger in having a really rigid training structure that it can sort of create a negative relationship with exercise or with the sport? Is that sort of one of the reasons that you'd stick clear of it or is it like completely separate to that? No, um, when I had a... A plan like when I was trying to qualify for the Commonwealth, I did write like have a proper training plan. I was like, this is what I was going to do. This is how I was going to do it. But I think people get a bit limited by it, and you're almost putting a, a ceiling on it. Or a lot of people don't think about everything else going on in their life and mm. what's important to you. At the end of the day, running's a hobby. It's got to be fun. It's got to be enjoyable. Mm. Um, most people now have got life outside of running, so you've got to think mm. about that too. Um, and when I say now I don't have a structured training plan or anything like that, I still like to do certain sessions just because it makes me feel, I don't know, happier within myself if I do those mm. and I, I feel a bit more kind of stability. Mm. Mm. Yes, I guess um, for yourself with the knowledge that you have and the experience that you have your version of not following a structured plan is probably going to look very different to what someone who's just starting out would look like so I guess your ability to go on feel and um, rely on your experience is, is going to be very different right it's also a case of listening to your body and as I've got to know some mm. of the girls a bit more I'm really impressed that now they're, they're really listening to their bodies taking rest when they need to because one of the hardest things in coaching is getting people to rest and getting people to recover mm. because everyone's really keen and they want to go 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 mm. but the thing is is you make your adaptations to training in your rest and recovery so if you mm. just training you're not actually going to get better you will for a little bit and then you'll plateau so you need that rest and recovery and, and it's all a whole thing combined you need the fuel you need the nutrition you need yeah everything mm. And have you had um, experiences in the past then when you've 
had to learn to listen to your body or you've not listened to your body or um, like what's your experience with that? Well, I think I was always quite lucky that um, I didn't have injuries, but I think that's probably because I came to running so late. Mm. Um, I think people can get pushed as kids and then they can resent it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what you say to children has a massive influence on them later, which again, I've shown for my thing, because I was always told you're rubbish at sport, um, you're not trying. And even now as an adult, I feel that um, still it's ingrained in my psyche. So mm, sounds like it. I think that 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 showed me how much influence you have without realizing. And I've totally gone off topic. Yeah. Here. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, um, no, no, that's good. No, no, no. Interesting. Yeah. But it's almost like uh, because I didn't have the injuries and reds wasn't something anybody kind of knew about. Um, and I didn't mm. realize about it. So then I was forced to listen and stop, basically. Mm. And I want to now stop other people getting into that situation that I was in where you have to just stop yeah how do you think people or how like I guess if you were to go back um to that situation how were there sort of um I guess signs or signals early on that maybe you should have done things differently and and maybe there's some things people can be aware of um before they get to that point where they do have to stop and completely stop running because of an injury or if, if they're dealing with reds or anything like that are there warning signs or is it just a matter of um I guess just maybe not doing too much too soon I mean there's a lot to it but have you got any sort of advice for anyone in that sort of situation um well the reds are slightly different but with injuries mm. and things I think people need to listen and warning signs your body will often tell you like you'll get um tendon problems and things before you get stress fractures you get stress reactions you get niggles and niggles are your body's way of telling you that something's not right here Mm. maybe I need to take a break or you might find that your friends or your family are saying you're being a bit more grumpy or you're not sleeping properly and not sleeping is often a sign of overtraining Mm. um same with grumpiness same with moods and the same with changes in appetite Mm -hmm. for me it was slightly different because everyone said oh, there's no way you would have something like reds because you're not underweight, your normal body mass index, and you seem to like eating. But I think that's the thing is we didn't know at the time that you can get it, even if you do have a have a good calorific intake and your normal body mass index. Um, it's just that it's different for everybody. Could we um, just define what reds is for some of our listeners who may not be familiar with the term? Yeah, so um, reds, the relative energy deficiency in sport is something that used to be known a bit more as the female athlete triad mm. um, and it, it's the thing that people used to say when women became amenorrheic like got their period oh because that's a sign that your body's struggling and it's your hormones are imbalanced which means you, the whole system's upset and then they realized it doesn't just affect women it affects men as well and there's in fact a lot of men have it and they don't always have the same warning signs because they don't have lack of periods that kind of thing mm. but they can get other things such as loss of morning erections reduced libido that kind of thing mm-hmm. and you often it's not diagnosed till it's too late till people have got stress fractures osteopenia osteoporosis i've seen a, a man that was a good ultra runner in canada and he has a spinal brace and crutches because he's had so many stress fractures now from oh, osteoporosis. Oh. That was oh. never known about. He just ran two marathons a year and was always training. Mm. Um, and nobody thought anything more of it. Mm. 
And for so, me, the same people would just say, oh, well, if you're not having periods, you know, um, you're training hard. You're, mm. you're normal weight. You'll be fine. Mm. That's so, so sad. That's so terrible. Yeah, and I think like the contraceptive pill, people would, um, doctors didn't know about it. So girls might be put on the contraceptive pill um, to give them a regular cycle, but it's not a regular cycle and it's hiding the symptoms. So mm. harms them because they say actually taking the contraceptive pill if you're a menorrhea makes it even worse. So mm. it's something that it's coming a lot more to the forefront now and a lot of people are coming out and describing it a lot of ultra runners but a lot of track runners and um, any of these kind of things mm. yeah wow is reds do you think one of the biggest obstacles then for ultra runners or just endurance athletes because it sounds like they're fascinating and it sounds also like it's something that is often not caught until the symptoms are quite serious is that something that anyone who's interested in endurance should be aware of and should should be educated on yeah, I, I think so. I think ultra runners actually suffer from it a little less than others because you have to be a bit stronger, especially if you're doing trails and mountains and things like that, and you have to eat or else you're not going to get through these distances. So I think you see it more in um, shorter, di well, shorter distance endurance runners up to marathon, mm -hmm. 50k, that kind of thing. But I think it's something that people shy away from talking about people think oh if I'm thinner if I'm lighter I'll be quicker and they think about the here and now they don't think about the long-term um, mm. effects mm. the thing is do you want a race result in five months time or do you want to be running in 10 years time mm. and it's which is better and you think well actually I want to be running into my 70s um, or later than that I don't want to mm. be in a spinal brace I don't want to be in pain and, and fractured and it's that kind of thing and people never wanted to talk about it and it's it, society has always drilled into people you need to be thin you need to be thin you need to be thin and it's even more so in sports like like running or mm. gymnastics or ballet those, those are the three sports you see it in mostly mm. um cycling as well because they don't get the warning signs too um and it, it, it's things like that it's dangerous and people don't talk to women about their periods, their menstrual cycle, it's a taboo subject. Oh, we can't talk about something like that. And that's one of the main things. People can't talk to men about their uh, early morning erections, their libido, their testosterone levels, because, oh, you know, that, that's a taboo subject. So it's ignored in a way because people are not comfortable about it. So trying to get the word out to people to check with your friends and also to coaches to ask mm. their athletes. Mm. So, so what's a way to move forward with this? Should this be something that is just spoken about more? Like, should we be opening up the conversation about, about periods and about libido? Like, is that the sort of thing that you'd encourage people to just talk more about then? Yeah, I mean, not, not saying you have to go and broadcast it in the street, but, you know, you know checking check with your mates, you know, <laughs> yeah. quiet conversation, yeah. um, that kind of thing. And I think the problem is people often just associate with each other through their sport and you think well if somebody's injured or they're not running or there's a reason I mean still keep in touch with them you know you can meet for food you can meet for a drink mm. it doesn't you don't think oh well we can't do that because they're not running, running. Mm. you've got to stop thinking a food is a reward as well it's it's necessity mm. it's not a reward for what you've done you haven't earned that food um earn that treat have that treat because 
you have that treat. And yes, you might go for a run, but one does not equate to the other. Mm, I think that's huge. It's so common you hear people, yeah, they like, you know, checking their calories on their watch or they're running for a certain amount of time because if they do that, then they can eat a certain amount of food or tracking everything and all that sort of stuff. I think it, it's becoming so unhealthy and um, obviously with social media and things like that, that doesn't help. And I think also when, you know, watching the Olympics and you see on the start line of the marathon how thin everyone is, it's not surprising that this is such a big issue because when you're looking up to those people and if that's where you want to be or if you want to you know just be a decent runner and you think okay well they're the best they look like this I need to look like that for me to be the best um I think it's really hard to not get caught up in that um in that frame of mind but yeah it's not it's not worth it right like you it's more important to focus on your health and not yeah not just try and cut calories to be lighter because you'll just end up yeah with red yeah I 100% agree and when I've gone to some big city marathons and I've been lucky enough to be invited to them and you can Mm. stay in the elite hotel and Mm. the interesting thing I've always thought is the only people that I've seen at mealtimes that eat more than me are the Kenyans and the Kenyans are winning and I think well if you're winning there's a reason for that and I learned from some of them who are eating white bread jam sandwiches on the way to races Mm. I thought I wonder why they do that and now it's interesting. I'll always eat a white bread jam sandwich on my way to a marathon or something because you're getting some energy, but you're not getting fiber. It's not sitting in your gut. So I think you need to learn, but learn sort of all encompassing. Um, don't just pick and choose what, what you want because that fits what you think. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's good. I think you've got to yeah take value from from different sources, but also do the right thing for you and yeah, what's right for your body. Um, what should people do if they're a little bit concerned that this might be affecting them? Do they go to their GP or what's sort of the best course of action? Um, yeah, there's quite a lot of information out it, about it on the web now. I've mm. read a couple of articles in journals. I've done a couple of posts and blogs about it. A mm. lot of GPs don't actually know about it. Mm. Um, it's becoming a bit more widespread with the knowledge, but you might not get someone who knows that much about it because it is quite a recent thing. Some endocrinologists aren't that up on it. Mm. In our area, there are some. Um, for example, I know a couple in Sydney that are quite good about bones, um, and I would mm. recommend them if mm. somebody needs to see an endocrinologist. But I think it's going to see your GP, but mentioning to them exactly what you're looking for and what you're worried about because there are certain mm. tests that you would do that you wouldn't normally um, do otherwise that certain mm. thyroid function tests um, might be normal. So what we call the T4 and the TSH, the thyroid stimulating hormone are completely normal in some mm. with reds, but T3, which is something different, which shows energy availability, that, that goes down. But normally if you just check in a normal thyroid function, you don't check T3, so you have to specifically ask for it. Okay, well, that's good to know. So is that the diagnostic um, gold standard then? No there's, no, there's a few different tests you do. Um, you can look at, and, and there are a lot of different markers. So there's not a, a diagnostic test, but you can look at things. You can look at hormone profile. You can look at white cell count. You can look at energy availability. You can look at um, bones, that kind of thing. So there's quite a lot of things you would do. And there's a full panel I would do as a medic who's investigating. Um, but you've got to kind of be looking for it, really. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, right. And then once that is, I guess, discovered, um, 
what does kind of the treatment process look like? Obviously everyone's different, but is it just a matter of cutting back on training and eating a bit more? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more to it, but, um, and obviously we're not advising anyone to do anything, obviously speak to the relevant practitioner, but what sort of, um, I guess the next steps after that for someone, how, how does that look in terms of their training and, and things like that? Do they need to completely stop what they're doing or what normally happens? It depends where they're at, because I think one of the hardest things is getting the athlete to understand and accept it because we all want to put our heads in the sand and go yeah but but at the minute I'm running well or at the minute I'm getting quicker and and that's really hard to change so there's a lot of psychological input that needs to be done so you need that and it needs to be done gently because mm. you don't want um to cause the opposite reaction such as for example it people with eating disorders if you bring up an eating disorder they get often it makes things worse because that's a control element mm. so with athletes it's not so much eating disorders you're looking for it's disordered eating mm. um, and you've got to try and periodize eating to your training and maybe yes cut back on your training or look at different types of training but you want to get there early enough that you can change the nutrition reduce the training so that you don't have to stop completely Mm. is is there always then a disordered eating element or a psychological component or can you have reds without it you can have reds completely without it um but in some people there is yeah. that to look for so when i was um first diagnosed with it the consultant said to me you don't look like you don't eat and i kind of <laughs> looked at him and went i think that's an insult but uh, <laughs> gosh that's horrible that's, that's weird and, I just and, thought, and, that, and everyone knows me as somebody who eats cake every day and I <laughs> have a huge appetite but I did then change what I ate and I was oh. told to I had to stop all exercise for a very long time literally wow. when I had my when my fractures wouldn't heal um I wasn't allowed to walk more than a mile I couldn't do anything wow. gosh that's insane I mean it's so sad that um like that's what you're told that you don't look like someone who doesn't eat. I mean surely that's kind of just going against the advice for anyone who's got a disordered relationship with food or some sort of uh, warped body image like it's just such a terrible thing for somebody to say I know especially I can when imagine you're that dealing with somebody you know yeah, somebody who has got a problem or a younger person mm -hmm. yeah yeah I don't I mean great I'll eat even more cake if you want um, <laughs> um, that's good to hear that's very good to hear how that can really affect somebody and if somebody's psychologically feeling a bit delicate even a comment like that can just totally send them off mm. yeah it's huge yeah you've got to be so careful I guess when you're dealing with with people in those sort of vulnerable situations you, yeah you don't want to just throw around things like that without thinking about what you're saying mm -hmm. <laughs> well, and it, it's, it's your life isn't it really it's the rest mm. of your life you've got ahead of you you've got it mm -hmm. do you um recommend then for people who are recovering from reds or have been diagnosed with reds um that they not only sort of follow through with um i guess their sort of medical advice but also potentially seek out someone to help them with their potentially body image like seeing a psychologist like is that valuable or is it just really person to person no no i i think yes it is a bit person to person but i think that is very va valuable because the also the thing is not to identify yourself 
in a specific way. Like people say to me, oh, you're the runner. And I say, well, no, I'm me, but I run. Mm. Yes. But I object to anybody saying, oh, you're actually, you're the runner. Or they come and see me at, at a surgery at home. Oh, doctor, you're the runner. I'm like, uh, no, no, I'm me, but I, but I run. So I think, <laughs> again, you've got to, psychology might be useful for some people for an input in how they identify themselves as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's super interesting um the identity piece because how important do you think that is I mean this is kind of almost going into another topic again but um a lot of people identify as runners and they find it so so super challenging when they have an injury because suddenly they can't run and they're a runner so who are you if, if you don't have the thing that identifies you Oh. Exactly. And the same when elite sports people retire from sport, there's mm. a lot of instance of depression and things like that mm. because they've suddenly lost their identity. Mm. It's super sad. I mean, you don't want to, or you don't want to plan for your own demise or injury or failure, but um, like, could you argue that it's important to try and sort of shift your identity to something that's not like as as you said you don't want to identify as just a runner uh, like do you think that's really important to sort of maintain your mental health oh absolutely and to have other interests apart from that one sport mm. and this this is what I'm saying about friendships you need friends that you can meet for all sorts of reasons not just my friends are my running friends then they're your friends and you run with them but they're your friends like you can do other things with them as well mm. um, and that kind of thing yeah no that's yeah it's all really really good um was there anything else you wanted to mention about the whole red situation before we ask a couple of the questions to finish off uh no probably not. i think everyone gets sick of me going on about it but it, i just want, oh, it's so important. want other people to end up in that situation because yeah. often when you get to that situation, it's too late and you want to mm. yeah, get there first, as it were. That's it. Yeah, mm. it's good to yeah, be aware of the warning signs and get on top of it before it becomes an actual issue. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So just a couple of other things off the topic, change it up a little bit. Um, a little bit about, I guess, being a, an elite runner, um, someone that represents your country and all those sort of things going to different championships. Can we chat a little bit about what it's like to be on the drug testing list and how that all works. I guess a lot of our listeners, well, I don't know if any of our listeners would ever, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of them would have no idea how it all works and, and what that kind of, I guess, the stress that's put on you um, when you're undergoing that process. Um, can we chat a little bit about that? Yep, certainly. Um, I, can, I can tell you that the weirdest place I've had to do a drugs test was in a portaloo in a field at the end of a race um, with people still running, but you have to leave oh, the gosh. You've got to be witnessed. So that was fun. Oh, wow. Um, so the doors open? Yeah, you have to be witnessed to prove yeah. that it's you doing it. And this was at um, the World Trail Championships and they took a few people off to do it. And literally that was in a portaloo right by the race. So that goes from one, one end and then another time twice after big city marathons have been taken off and they make you walk about two kilometers to another hotel to go and do it and that's the opposite end you're like i don't want to walk any further yeah. don't make it up downstairs gosh wow um, but but what you were talking about being on the 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 wada testing list that's mm. the world anti-doping agency mm. 
um, you get put on this list and you can be tested anytime. So you have to fill out an online diary for the next three months saying where you're going to be overnight every night. You have to give an hour testing slot every single day. Um, and it's got to be at a time between 7am and 10pm. You also have to put a race in, at least one race in that three month period, and you have to put a couple of training sessions in. So Mm. for track runners, it's fine. They can say, I go to the track at this time. And they did say to me, I can write down, I'm going out of my front door and turning left. Um, (laughs) Where's my training session? Because it's quite hard for me to identify it. Yeah. But then it it would change. So for example, if I was going to go and stay with a friend overnight, I would have to say, do you mind if I put your address into this database? Oh. Or if I'm going to my parents or anything, I would say that. And mm. one time I did a race in, I don't know, where it was in Yorkshire. And then I went to my parents for dinner because they were having a dinner party that night. And I put it in that I was going there. And what happens? Five to ten at night, there's a the doorbell rings and it's drug testers have turned up. Oh wow. And they've turned up at my work uh, occasionally and they've turned up at my, they've turned up at my house. They turned mm. up when I was on the start line to a race once in Scotland as well. I've met them on the street in Spain, like wherever you are, and you've got to be there where in your hour slot where you say you are, or else it's a failed wow. test. Gosh, that's so tough, especially when you live such a spontaneous life. <laughs> It'd be hard to having, having to plan ahead so far in advance and have everything to the hour. That's yeah, and a hard way to live. Well, it was really hard. I did one race called the Dragon's Back in Wales, where we ran from north to south Wales over the ridgelines. And it was a race where um, you were camping, but you were given a map and the campsite on the morning and then you had to get yourself oh. there and navigate and it was all secret so I had to give my login to the race organizer so that he could put in where I was staying overnight because I didn't know until oh, wow. morning off so that was <laughs> quite weird and yeah. then again you've got other things that you have to be aware of what's on the band list what isn't so for example if I had a cold I wouldn't take a decongestant or cold remedy because some mm. decongestants are banned because they're stimulants Oh, wow. Uh, things like I'm eating this bread and it's got lots of poppy seeds on. Is that going to fail me the test because of the poppy seeds? Um, I've got to re- be oh. careful what I have. Um, if you do. What's a rep- in poppy seeds? Like, yeah. uh, poppy seeds. Uh, Opi- opium and morphine uh, made from poppy seeds. Stimulant. Oh my gosh. Wow, of course. Um, uh, and then I, when I did the <laughs> champs, it was at altitude, but you can't take anything for altitude sickness because it's a diuretic, which is which a masking is a drug. So if it comes up with a diuretic, that's a masking agent for other drugs. Gosh. Or, or trying to think what else was. It, yeah, if you're doing a race and there's an aid station or water station, you have to take your water or your drink in a sealed bottle because if it's in an empty cup, if it's in an open cup, something could be put in there and you could fill a drugs test. Wow, there's a lot to think about. Um, and because How long you to be witnessed if it's a, a urine sample, I would know mm. if a man turned up on his own, it was going to be a blood test. Um, but if it oh, was, okay. if he had a, a female with him, then it might be a urine test. Right. <laughs> oh gosh. Were you going to well, say? Sorry, you you're on this list for three months. Did you say? No, no, no. I was on it for about four years. Um, oh my goodness. Wow. Um, oh, that's awful. You have to submit three months at a time in advance of where you're going to be. Mm. 
So then you oh, okay, got to travel and change it, or you have to text them and change it if you're going to stay somewhere oh, else. Wow. Gee, and so how did you end up on this list? Because of your results, or is it? Is yes. there an element of randomization? No, no you you, the, you go on it if you come top three in a world champs. Um, that was automatically. Yes, automatically. That's what it was at the time. I don't know what it is now. Mm. So I yeah, think I right. came off it once and then went back on it and it just, oh, it was just a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to it. Like, it's not just as simple as just running and training and going to races and having a good time. I guess there's so much more involved with being at, at such a high level as well. And and how did you go with, in terms of sponsorships and things like that? Have you had anyone help you out over the years? Obviously, you've you've had some amazing achievements so you would you would hope that someone would come on board have you have you had much support no not at all and I, I think um, it, it's a double-edged sword um so I used to think I used to come moan and say oh I've not got a sponsor it's not fair and then um an American friend said oh yeah but you've got a job you don't need a sponsor I said yeah but if I had a sponsor I wouldn't need to work mm -hmm. as many hours so I could actually train more yeah. and it kind of it goes both ways but then I could choose what races I did I didn't have any commitments mm. to anybody else because mm. sponsor might say you've got to do this race um, and obviously I didn't have one so I would do what I wanted basically um, mm. but running isn't actually a cheap sport especially if you want to do certain races you the race mm. entries your kit your travel so it, it can be a bit of a nightmare but I've never been somebody that's massively into social media so maybe mm. I would have had to do that a lot more um, yeah, maybe it seems like that's the way it's all going, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a shame because it would be nice for you to have more flexibility with your schedule and be able to fit more training in. Because, I mean, it would be amazing to see what you could achieve. I mean, you've already done so much and working with what with what you've got with just taking annual leave and things like that to go to races. But um, yeah, it'd be amazing to see what what you could do. But I think you've already achieved so many things, and you're probably going to keep doing that regardless of of working as well um so yeah it, it's good but if anyone wants to jump on board <laughs> please <reach out>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, that would be cool um i've got one more question for you lydia might have something else as well but what shoes do you wear it's everyone oh that's, that's what i was going to say <laughs> the most important thing um, yes. and socks i want to know socks as well okay uh whatever's on offer oh, oh. have you got okay. a um so I tend to wear off-road, I wear Innovates, oh, generally. Yeah. Um, they're a British brand. They used to import them to Australia, but I think they've had mm. some difficulties importing them for a while. Yeah. Uh, I have worn Solomons a bit, um, and I had some speed cross, but I found once I got beyond 50K, I always blistered around my toes, around the end of the shoebox. Mm. So I've got some Solomon Ultras that I'll wear, but I also like La Sportivas for for longer oh, distance nice. trails. So I've worn those when I've done longer distance at trail. Mm. Um, for road, I tend to, I varied a bit. I've worn Adidas, I've worn Mizuno. It's basically, I generally tend to go with whatever happens to be on offer if it fits me. Wow. I'm not, yeah, okay. again, because I never had a sponsor, I didn't, yeah. I wasn't sold into one type, but no. I, I find shoes very expensive, but I'm quite lucky mm. that I think I've got quite, you know, sensible feet I don't pronate mm. too much so I can wear most things and if I find mm. something comfy then I'll wear them 
yeah well that, I think that, yeah that's good and, and you haven't obviously had too many injuries apart from that the stress fracture situation but obviously yeah you can just sort of handle a few things I think it is good to mix it up too rather than just sticking with the same thing I think in terms of injury prevention having a bit of variety and oh absolutely and sometimes I think yeah it'd be nice to try other brands but some of them are so mm. expensive that I haven't um mm. I thought well I'll stick with what I know but there's also some evidence that says you should rotate your shoes as well because they lose some of the give and the spring and that does come mm. back not mm. overnight but over a couple of nights so mm. um don't wear the same shoes every single day you know yeah. give them a bit of a rest to let some of that cushioning and spring come back yeah okay so you ro- rotate mm. through a few throughout the week yeah but it mine it's not so much planned rotation or think if these shoes get wet oh those are wet right i'll wear a different yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah that's good. i love this spontaneous trend that's awesome <laughs> um, i was just going to say what's your process then when you do go to buy shoes is do you just need to always try them on is that sort of how how you um, go about it no generally um if it's a if it's a type of shoe that i've worn before and i know my size i can just get them without trying them on but if it's new shoe to me or a new brand then yeah I want to try them on mm, of course so I found yeah. that between Australia and the UK there are some different brands that I hadn't come across mm. so you can just try them a bit yeah mix it up very good awesome all right well we won't hold you up too much longer I think um I mean yeah once again we could talk all day and just I just want to I want to go for a run with you and just hear more about all those amazing stories but um okay, we'll just wrap wait it up a week today. and I'll be out of here <laughs> Yeah, well, that's it. Once we can get Ooh. to Central Coast, oh, you have yeah. to come and join the Fun yeah. 20 Girls and go for a session. Oh, you'd be, be very good. welcome. Yeah, thank you very much. Oh, um, I'd love that. Yeah, awesome. But thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you um, coming on here. It was probably good timing that you're in quarantine, give you give you something to do. But yeah, hopefully you, you survive the next week with not too much trouble. Um, well, it's probably good for me to take a proper rest, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that's it. It probably came with good timing after you... <laughs> You're 300 and something kilometer run before. So it's really good to have a bit of a deload, but yeah, then you can gently ease back into things once you're out and, and find a new goal to, to tick off the list. Yes, definitely. Oh, lovely to speak oh, to you. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Yoasha. It's been an absolute pleasure. Perfect. <laughs>